Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. I want to introduce you to my friend Taylor Morton. If you were here before our service started, we chatted a little bit. Taylor played ball at the University of Alabama for Coach Nick Saban. But his story, oh, I cannot get away from the roll tides. That's just... That just hurts, I'm telling you. Just, but his story is bigger than Roll Tide. His, his story is bigger than Coach Saban or even a national championship. Guys, part of what you hear today is from a guy who has uh, several SEC rings, a national championship ring, but also a guy who can tell us specifically how football, as great as a game as it may be, it's not, it's not the have-all, end-all in life. There's a whole nother world going on outside of it. And so uh, if you're here today, and maybe it's your first time at Sugar Hill Church, I, I want to say again, like Tripp said earlier, welcome home. We, we, we're all about making sure that uh, folks, when they walk in the door at Sugar Hill, you have this sense that, man, I am home. And uh, we are so grateful, not only for our teachers and educators and administrators, we're grateful for the fact we, you let us partner in this community for it to be better and better. And thanks for that. But Taylor, we got to know Taylor uh, months ago, and his story just captivated us. And we, we knew Coach Mob was going to let you guys come on and hang out and ask if we could do this. I was just so excited. And Tripp and I both thought, man, Taylor's the guy to, to share his story today. So here's a guy that has a real story. But I want to ask one question before you get going. All right. So in in the middle of all the things that are swirling around you, I mean, you're dealing, you're dealing with uh, the death of a loved one, you're, you're dealing with cancer, you're dealing with all this stuff going on. Well, how were your teammates and your coaches, how did they come around you and support you with all that? Uh, they, they were supported from phone calls, text messages to, to be in there when I was in the hospital for several days. I mean, they were there the entire time right by my side. And that's why, you know, it's more than just a game of football. Yeah, it's a it's family. A it's a family. Yeah, it's a yeah. family. Absolutely. So uh, you guys give Taylor Morton a big Sugar Hill welcome, will you? Yeah. Love you, buddy. Well, it's good to be here for the second service. The first service was, uh, was awesome, but I just have a, have a good feeling about this one as well. And uh, Lindley uh, and I have been here for, for a day, and my family and her family has been here as well. And uh, the thing we've been talking about, what, is, what just stands out and what is so awesome about Sugar Hill is their heart to serve, their heart to serve. They, they get it. They know they have to do more. They know they have to give more. They know they have to, to love more for others. And you guys get that, and you understand that. And uh, it reminds me of... Uh, of a story, my good friend Lacey Gano, uh, he's a major in the Air Force. He's about to actually move up to Lieutenant Colonel. And uh, he, he flies uh, refuelers. Anybody know what a refueler is? What they do? Yeah, it's really awesome. He, he goes and flies, uh, flies all around the world, refueling fighter jets. He likes to say he refuels the fight or passes gas all around the world, either one of them. So he does them both, I guess. But uh, he does them very well. And uh, he, he shares all kinds of military stories with me. And he shared one in particular. Uh, with me that stood out and it reminds me of Sugar Hill in, in your heart but before I share that story if anyone in here has served in the military or serving right now would you just stand up real quick for me we got Veterans Day coming up Wednesday and we just want to thank you for your service um, thank you so much
hanging out with Lacey, a guy in the Air Force all the time. Uh, man, he, 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 teach, he tells me all about it, and I have just a great respect for you guys. And uh, he, he shared a story with me uh, about paratroopers. Anybody know what a paratrooper is? Um, you know, Lacey refuels, refuels the fight, but paratroopers, uh, they fly around, and uh, they jump out of airplanes, and they jump into the fight to go save people, running past bullets, going into burning buildings to save people's lives. And their motto is this, so others may live. So others may live. One of the greatest verses in the Bible is this, that there is no greater love than this, that, cry, that, that, that a man lay down his life for a friend. And, uh, and, that, and that's their heart. They're willing to lay down their lives for others. And so uh, I spoke at a church a couple weeks ago, and, and I said, you know, I'm not telling you to go lay down your life for people. I'm not telling you to have the motto so others may live, but maybe have the motto so, uh, so others may eat, um, so others may drink purified water, um, so others may have clothes that are warm during the winter, winter months, so others may have a shelter. And, uh, I mean, I'm telling you, Sugar Hill's doing that, and that's, uh, that's incredible to me, and that, that gets me fired up, and, and so I'm just so blessed to be able to be around people like you uh, this morning that, that get it, that know that they have to serve, and it's about, it's about others, and, uh, and that's just incredible. So, uh, so I love your heart. I, I love all you guys for so just being around here. I mean, I fall in love with each and every one of you. Just the more I'm around you, so, uh, so I'm just thankful for the hearts that you guys have. And so, um, and like Chuck said, I'm here to share my story uh, about, about some football stuff. And, uh, but I'm going to tell you this, like you said before, football's a great game. Football's wonderful, and you know, it, it teaches us a lot of great, great things. But football's going to pass away one day. And championship rings and championships are going to pass away. But a relationship with Jesus Christ will last forever. And that's something to hold on to, and that's something to really invest in. Because we invest in this world that's going to pass away, and we invest in Christ that's going to last forever. And Mark 8, 36, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet lose his soul? And so uh, this world's passing away day by day, but um, our relationship with Jesus Christ will last forever. And so, like Chuck said, my book's coming out, and the title of my book is called It's Only Pain. And I realized this morning that a lot of us are dealing with some sort of pain. Uh, I don't know exactly what it may be, but somebody has some kind of pain in here. And so the, the way the title happened was uh, from uh, my strength coach at Bama, Scott Cochran. Anybody know who Scott Cochran is at the University of Alabama? He has a famous phrase. Everyone knows it. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's all he does is scream it and jump around, hold, hold up his fours. If you don't know who Scott Cochran is, I encourage you just to YouTube Scott Cochran and YouTube yeah, 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 and uh, you'll know who Scott Cochran is. He will make you just rethink everything about your life in the weight room. I promise you that. So he, uh, he is a very intense guy, but I love him to death. And so that was one of his phrases. But another phrase he used to say was, it's only pain. It's only pain. And, of course, that's the title of the book. But he would yell that when we were running our sprints, when we were lifting uh, in the weight room, when we were trying to hit our bench press max, when we were running that last sprint. He would yell, it's only pain, to realize it was going to be over. It was, it, was, it was just for a little bit of time. And so this morning, I hope that the message resonates with you, that you'll be able to say to your pain, to your adversity, it is only pain. And, uh, and that comes not from, from any, any person, but it comes from, comes from Christ. And so I hope this morning I can encourage you uh, with that. But, um, 
But this morning, I want to give you three keys to help you overcome your pain, to help you overcome adversity. And so uh, the true character of a person is not really found when everything is going great. Everybody can be good when everything's going great. Everyone can do well when it's first and short and you're up by 35 points. Everyone can be a great player then. Everyone can be a great person then. But the true character of a person is found when adversity strikes. When pain comes your way, that's when we find out who the real person is. That's when we find out what kind of character you have. And so this morning, the three points I'm going to give you is going to help you be able to overcome your pain, help you overcome your adversity that you're going through this morning. So uh, the first key is this. Let's just get right into it. The first key is this. You've got to know how to respond. You've got to know how to respond to pain when it comes your way. You've got to know how to respond to adversity when it comes your way. April 1st, 2007, I had to learn how to respond to pain. I had to learn how to respond to adversity. Um, it was a normal Sunday, uh, just like today. Every time the church doors were open, uh, my parents had us in church. We'd go to Sunday school, and then we'd go to big church. This is what I like to call big church. Anybody know what big church is? Well, you're in it right now. That's my, that's my thinking. So we went to big church, and I sat by my brother Trent, and TJ sat up in the balcony uh, with, my, with my parents. And um, uh, that morning, we, we sat through the service, and I'm 14 at the time, Trent's 12, and TJ's 8. And so we're sitting there, we get through the service, and then after the service, TJ goes to a friend's house for a birthday party where they like hold snakes and spiders and stuff. It was a crazy birthday party. I don't know, that person had a weird thing where they like reptiles. I was like, go ahead, man, go ahead and do your thing. Go, go hang out with them snakes and stuff. So, so they did that, and then Trent went to a friend's house to go fishing, ride four-wheelers, and I, I guess I had no friends. Everybody else was playing and stuff. I went, I went home and just hung out, so everybody was having a good time that day. And so I remember that afternoon, I started getting phone calls. I started getting text messages saying, hey, what's going on with Trent? What's wrong? What's he done? And so like I said, we're, we're a year and a half, two years apart, and uh, we played every sport together, man. From fifth grade, I mean, from five years old on, we played football, baseball, basketball, hockey. I mean, I mean we didn't play hockey, but if we did, we'd have played it together. But I mean, we played every sport together uh, growing up, and uh, we were just really close, and uh, we, we, were, we were brothers. But when it came down to it, if we had a fight, we'd fight. Anybody have a brother or sister in here? You, you ever fight with your brother and sister? If you say no, you're lying. You can't be lying in church now. And so, uh, so, uh, so I mean, that's how our relationship was. We'd fight if we had to fight. Well, one Christmas morning, um, I love Christmas. We're like, what, eight weeks away? We're already playing Christmas music. It's great. It's wonderful. Lindley, Lindley loves Christmas too, but people are like, you can't forget Thanksgiving coming up in three weeks, guys. You got to wait till we play Christmas music later. I can listen to it year-round. Love it. Love it. But uh, on a side note, sorry about that, but... Uh, but uh, on one Christmas morning, I think I was like nine, he was like seven, TJ's like four or five, I can't remember exactly how old we were, but um, you know, you wake up super early on Christmas morning. I mean, you get up at four, go wake your parents up, so go back to bed, wake up at 4.15, you know, it's just like, you're ready to open presents, you're excited, and so I think we finally got up at like five that morning, we were ready to open our presents, so we start tearing them open, I think we got like a Nintendo 64, anybody know what that is? Yeah, it's awesome, yeah, Mario Kart, Super Smash Brothers, best games ever invented, absolutely. And so we got that, and you know, that was cool. But you always save the best, gifts, the, be the best gifts for last. I mean, that's just, you know, common rule of Christmas. You save the best for last. And so we're sitting there, and TJ has his gift, Trent has his gift, and I have my gift. And so TJ tears open his. He's got like a referee outfit. I mean, we're like, hmm, it's weird. What's about to happen? So I open mine, and Trent open his, and we got boxing gloves. It's about to be the best Christmas ever. And I was like, oh, man. Before, before we started Christmas lunch and everything, 
we need to go test these out. I mean, we can't just have them and not use them. So we go out there. We, you know, TJ's got his uniform on, his little whistle and stuff. And he's like four. He don't know what's going on yet. But we're out there. We're starting to box. Everything's going great. You know, throwing body shots, just having a good time out there. Everything's good. Until Trent decides to become Muhammad Ali and rears back and boom, punches me in the mouth. Busts my lip open. Like lips swollen, blood gushing. TJ's like blowing his whistle, boop, boop, foul, technical. I mean, I don't know, we don't know what's going on. And so uh, and we just kept boxing. And I was like, I can't let my little brother outdo me. I mean, it's Christmas morning. My four-year-old brother just saw me get punched in the mouth. I mean, this is not cool. And so, so I rear back and boom, punch him in the temple, knock him out cold. TJ, boop, boop, like running around, like it, it's, it's over. He's one, two, three, four, ten. He's gone, KO. You know, it, it was out. And so I start slapping him, trying to wake him up, and he, he's not waking up. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have to give my 64 back, my Mario Kart, everything. I mean, we're about to be in so much trouble. TJ's, like, freaking out. And I'm like, wake up, dude. And, you know, starting kicking him. He, he's not waking up. Like, check his pulse real quick. He's good. And so, you know, he's, he's all right. But I'm like, man, we're about to be in so much trouble. So I grab him by the feet, and I drag him in the house, and I take him in the shower, and I turn the cold water on. This dude's still not waking up. I'm like, he's still breathing, but he's not waking up. And so finally, one more time, he, he comes to, he's like, man, what happened? I was like, you want to keep your presence? He was like, yeah. I was like, so this is what happened. I bit my lip, you ran into a pole, and that's the story, and we stuck to it. So, I mean, that's just our relationship we have. I mean, we, we were that close. I mean, we, we weren't going to do it. So my parents are here this morning. That's what really happened. We got in a fight. So you can get your 64 if you want, but... Uh, but that, that's the relationship we had. And so when, when I started getting these phone calls and I started getting these text messages saying, hey, what's going on with Trent? What's wrong? What's he done? I just figured he got in some kind of trouble. I mean, you know, we live in Alabama. You know, we shoot BB guns at people and everything's fine, you know. But I was like, man, hopefully he hadn't gotten any trouble. And so, um, and so I was just like, I was curious. I was like, man, I'm going to get in trouble if he gets in trouble. So uh, I, was, I was a little concerned. And uh, I remember my mom asking me to take the trash out. And so I did. And the friend's parents um, that, that Trenton went to, the house he went to, came driving up. And they said, where's your dad? I said, he's at a deacon's meeting. He'll be back shortly. And they drove off, and I didn't think anything of it. I went back inside, started talking with my mom. And about 10 minutes later, the deacons came driving up in a truck, and it was two other deacons and dad, Wes Cash and, and Mr. Brian Philgall. And they were there, and uh, they came in carrying my dad. My dad had tears in his eyes. never seen my dad cry before in my life. I said, what's wrong? He said, Trent's dead. Trent's been killed. You see, what had happened, after they got through riding four-wheelers uh, and fishing, they went to cross the road, and Trent was on his four-wheeler, and he got hit by an SUV, and it killed him instantly, just like that. In a moment's time, everything went crashing down, and it was like a, you know, a bomb goes off, shrapnel goes everywhere, everything's blurry, you really don't know what to do, and that's where I was. But the next day is where I learned that, and I knew that I had to respond. And so I was sitting in my room, and I had some friends in there with me, and I just remember hitting my knees, crying out to God. I said, God, here I am. Use me. I'm done playing this game called church. I'm ready to turn to you and choose to sell out to you. I had a moment. I had to choose to respond. I chose to respond to turn to Christ and not turn away. You see, Romans 12, 1 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It doesn't say dead sacrifices. No, it says living sacrifices. Each and every day, we have 24 hours in a day. 
We all do. And, and, and what we do with those hours is up to us. And when we choose not to sell out to Christ, we choose to live mediocre lives. John 10.10 says this, The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus Christ, but I have come that you may have life and life to the full. You see, Christ died on the cross for us so that we may have eternal life. But guess what? He didn't just die on that cross so we could have eternal life. He, he died on the cross so that we could live a full and abundant life. And when we choose not to sell out to him, we choose to live mediocre lives. So we got to choose to sell out to him. When adversity comes our way in each and every day, we have to choose to sell out to him. So the first key is this. you got to know how to respond. Second is this. you got to know how to fight. Because if you respond well and you don't fight well, I mean, why are you even in the ring? You know, uh, one of my favorite movies is Rocky. Uh, anybody like Rocky movies? We got a new one coming up. It's, I think it's called what, Creed? Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm pretty pumped. Thanksgiving Day. Got it circled. Going to be there. So, or whenever it comes out, I'll be there. Um, but uh, it's a great movie, and they say a great quote in there. It says this, it's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and get back up. That's so true in life. You can get knocked down in life, but you can get back up and keep fighting. Season of 2013, everyone remembers that season. If you're an Auburn fan or an Oklahoma fan, um, you guys remember it's the kick six. Everyone's like holding up the finger, the one, one second. Yep, we all remember it. Don't have to remind us. I mean, it's, it's there. It happened. And so, but, but we were getting ready for that season, and, and like every other season, in the summer we'd get up at 4 in the morning and get ready to go run at 5, run our sprints, and then after our sprints we go to breakfast, and then after breakfast, class, and after class we come back and work out. After workouts we go back to class, and then we'd go, go to dinner. And then at dinner, I started having these sharp pains in my stomach. I didn't really know what was going on, man. It was, it was hurting me, and I, I called Lindley, my girlfriend. She was like, she's like just suck it up, eat, drink, a, drink a Sprite, eat some crackers, just do what you got to do. I was like, all right. I was like, oh, yeah, better suck it up. <laughs> so, so I went, I went to my apartment, and uh, I, the pain wouldn't go away. And so I was like, man, this is not good. And so I called my neighbor. I was like, look, man, you got to come get me. I was like, I'm, I'm hurting, and I'm dying. He was like, you better be dying. It's 2 a.m., and it, you woke me up. So he came by, and he took me to the hospital. And it turns out that I was not having uh, stomach virus. I was actually having appendicitis. And so they went in the next morning, took my appendix out, everything went great, and I got it, and it was good. But the particular time of the season, it was our off week. It was the summer 4th of July break, our only week off we ever got. You know, we loved that week, I'm telling you. And so, uh, so we got off that week, and the, we went down to the beach with my family for a couple of days, and Lindley and I came back early for my follow-up appointment. And uh, Lindley stayed out in the waiting room. I went in and started talking to the doctor, and uh, he was like, are your parents here? I was like, no, I'm 20 years old. I can go to the doctor by myself, you know? <laughs> And uh, it happened to be the first time I'd been the doctor by myself. But, um, you know, I was like, holly, I can't win, man. So, uh, so he's like, is anyone here? I was like, yeah, my girlfriend's out in the waiting room. He's like, go get her. It's serious. I was like, golly, what could it be? You know, and so um, I go and get her. And he was like, uh, well, the surgery went well. We got your appendix out. Uh, but the issue is your appendix had a tumor attached to it. And it was attached to your colon. Uh, and this tumor is not benign, it's malignant, it's starting to spread through your colon, you got cancer. At 20 years old, you find out you got cancer. And uh, he was like, you need to call your mom. I was like, you call her, how am I gonna tell her this? I mean, come on. And so he called her, and of course they were upset, and they, came, they left the beach, and they came back that day. And uh, I was like, well, well, what's next? He's like, we're gonna set you up an appointment with an oncologist. I was like, I'm not a girl, I don't have to go to the oncologist. <laughs> and uh, I found out that day an oncologist is a cancer doctor, and so uh, it dawned on me then. And so, uh, so they sent me up a appointment with her, Dr. Bostic, at the Manderson and Fay Cancer Center, 
And uh, I went there, and she's like, look, we're going to try surgery. We're going to cut the right part of your colon out. I was like, awesome, That's, that seems fun. And so uh, they, they went in the next, next couple days and did a right hemocolectomy, took the right part of my colon out. And so they didn't know if this was going to, you know, be the end-all, be-all to the, to the cancer in me. They didn't know if this was going to work or if I was going to have to do chemo or radiation. Didn't know if I was going to take a pill to help it out. I, I don't know. And so, um, but here's my thought the whole time. I was like, I'm going to fight through it regardless of what happens. I'm going to keep pressing on because I want to get back and play football. That was my whole mindset. And so I was in the hospital seven days, ate chocolate pudding, drank water, the best diet you could possibly have. And so I was there for seven days. And coaches, family, friends were all there to support. And, um, you know, and finally on the seventh day, the doctor came in and said, man, we got great news. Surgery went well, got a lymph node, got the right side of your colon out. Uh, and uh, we stopped the cancer in its tracks. And so uh, I was like, well, awesome. And he's like, um, you're still going to have to go see the, see the doctor for, you know, every six months for the next 10 years. But it, it's looking good for you. And so I was like, well, praise God for that. And I was like, that, that is incredible. And so... Um, you know, it reminded me of the verse, Romans 8, 28, for Christ works all things to the good of those who love him. And uh, even appendicitis, without the appendicitis, they never would have found the tumor. And uh, who knows how far it would have spread without it. And so um, in those moments like that, when adversity comes your way, you've got to choose to fight. Now, let me tell you this. My heart goes out to anyone and everyone who has had cancer. Uh, or know someone in their family that has lost their battle to cancer, who has died from cancer, and, and knows, knows people with cancer today. But let me tell you this. You don't lose the cancer when you die. You don't lose the cancer when the cancer kills you. No, you beat cancer by choosing to fight every single day. And the same goes for any adversity or pain you're going through right now. You beat that pain, you beat that adversity by choosing to fight every single day. Everyone can lay down. Everyone can get hit and lay down. But everyone can't get hit and get back up. But let me tell you this, if you have Christ in your life, he's going to help you right back up. I promise you. I promise you. He's, he's holding out his hand. I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm serious. You've got to respond. You've got to fight. And the last point is this, you've got to finish. Respond, fight, finish. You guys run sprints? I'm sure you do. You're 10-0. If you didn't, then, I mean, I'm like, what are you doing? If you don't run, do, I mean, you're 10-0, so I know you're putting in the work. And so what's, what does coach tell you when you're running through the line? What does he say? Finish. Finish. You know the distance between success and failure is like this much. It's that one player on your team not touching the line or running through. It's that much. That's the distance between success and failure. You have to finish. Two weeks after my brother's accident, they brought back to me everything that was found in his pocket. It was a little chunky. He had a Snickers bar on stash ready to go. I like Snickers, too. I probably would have had a Twix. I don't know. I like a Twix bar. But um, he had that on stash, and he had uh, airsoft BBs. Like I told you, we shot airsoft BBs at each other. Uh, I had a little pistol. TJ had a little pistol. Cousin Jeremy had a little pistol. Trent was Rambo. He had, like, a machine gun, sniper. I mean, he was, and he had pistols. I was like, golly, this is not fair. He had a machete. Uh, I guess in case things got real, his hands off. I mean, I don't know. He had those. He was ready to go. But he had a card in his pocket, and this card has encouraged me each and every day to finish. Sometimes you don't want to finish. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you just want to give up. Sometimes you just want to quit. But this card had the phrase on it that said this, never, never quit. No matter how tough it gets, you can't quit. You've got to finish. You've got to finish strong. You've got to respond well. You've got to fight well. And you've got to finish well. It had the verse on it, Philippians 3.13. It says this, brothers, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward. I press on 
you can't quit. Forgetting what is behind and straying toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal for which Christ has called me heavenward. You've got to respond, you've got to fight, and you've got to finish. And let me tell you this. The worst pain in life is not losing a loved one. It's not having cancer or knowing someone with cancer or, or parents going through a divorce or going through a divorce yourself or, or maybe even some insecurities. And they're all, they're all painful, and we've got to handle pain very delicately. And don't ever let anyone tell you your pain is not significant because it is. And it's okay to not be okay. I promise you that. It's okay to not be okay. But the greatest pain in life is this. It's not knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because guess what? All this stuff, all this pain on earth is very temporary. Not knowing Christ, not knowing Christ as your Lord and Savior is eternal. It's forever. But guess what? Guess what the good news is? Knowing Christ as your Lord and Savior is forever as well. And so that's, uh, that's something to hold on to. And that's something to invest in. Football's a great game. Oh, I love it. I loved it last night. Roll Tide. You know, it was a great game. But uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pass away. It's going to pass away. But your relationship with Jesus Christ will last forever. And if you don't know him this morning, I encourage you, I encourage you to not leave here, not leave this building without doing so. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for this group of young men who, who just have a heart for you. God, I pray that if they don't know you this morning, if someone in this building doesn't know you this morning, they wouldn't leave here without doing so, God. God, I thank you for this church. God, I thank you for their heart to serve. They're doing more. They're loving more. They're caring more. They're giving more for you, God, and for others. God, I praise you. God, I thank you so much for a church like this in their heart. God, we love you, and God, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Taylor. Thanks, sir. Love you, buddy. So today, Taylor's story is probably not that much different than anybody in this room. Every person in this room is in one of three stages of life. You got a problem you're about to go into. You got a challenge, you got a problem you're in the thick of, or you've just come out of one. I've never met anybody who could look me in the eye and honestly say, man, life is perfect. I got it all going on for me. But you know, at the same time, kind of like Taylor said, I've never met anybody that woke up and looked in the mirror and said, you know what I want to do today? I want to be mediocre. I don't want to count for anything. I don't know anybody that looked in the mirror and said, you know what? Who cares? You see, part of the challenge is some of us got up this morning and looked in the mirror and started singing an old hymn. How great thou art. Some of us got up, looked in the mirror and said, oh, me. Some of us just didn't want to look in the mirror. Because see, it really doesn't matter what, what the challenge is. The fact is this life while it may be good, it's hard. Our relationships, our families, our marriages, our finances, our health. I know folks all across this room, just this morning I received three or four texts while we are in church of folks that just in dire need of prayer and help. And you see, I, I wouldn't want to leave today without you recognizing the heart of a church that says we believe the Bible and we believe Jesus is the biggest deal. And the best way you show that is to share and to love and serve people. So I would say for you today, before you head out there, 
settle something in your life today that says I'm mediocrity is not for me I, I want to respond well I want to react well I want to be in the fight I want to finish well and the relationship Taylor's talking about is, is not about you trying to be good. It's not about you fixing all your junk and then come to church. And it actually has nothing to do with church. We, we live day in and day out in this church trying to say, whatever you do, please don't become religious. Religion is killing our country. But what you can do is determine to set your faith Set your future and set your life on solid ground found in getting our relationship right with God, our creator. The reason the Bible is a big deal is because it tells the story of how God looked at us and recognized every one of us have messed up junk that's selfish and sinful and we're just to live in a whacked out world. But a God that you cannot do anything to make him not love you looked on you guys, looked on you, looked on you men and women. That God looked on your life and said, I want to find a right way for us to be in relationship. But you being selfish, you being sinful, and God being holy, there was just no way for that to happen. So God said, I'm going to fix that. And he sent his only son Jesus. And we're about to celebrate that season. And whatever your faith background is, whatever you believed or believe nothing, I've never met anybody that said, oh, I don't care anything about the Jesus guy. But see, the Bible teaches that God sent his son and he was born in Bethlehem. We're going to celebrate that in a few weeks. We're going to sing wonderful songs and eat great food and get fat and have a good time. But it all happened because Jesus came. And as he grew and he lived this perfect life, then the choice was there. And so Jesus chose to die and shed his blood so that he could take on the punishment we deserved because of our sin. And I hear that and I think to myself, I love my kids. I, I love my kids. I would do anything for my kids, but to be honest with you, I'm dying for my kids and letting my blood be shed for those kids and doing it in a public way where I was disgraced in doing so. I'm not sure I'd do that, but God let his own son do that, and that's how much he loves you. And then the Bible is so clear about that. He says, so if you want to get right with God, then you just say to his own son, Jesus, I need you. I need you to make me right before God. I need you to clean me up. Jesus never says, get all your junk together and then come to me. Jesus says, bring all your junk to me. Don't, don't get your life. Try, you, you can't fix it on your own. And he says, just come to me. What I love about our God is he looks at all your junk, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, whatever has happened. He says, bring all that junk to me and together we're going to fix this. And he says, if you call on the name of the Lord, which is what we know Jesus to be, he says, then I'll hear you, I'll answer you. So today, before you leave to go out there, make sure your response to Jesus is, yes, I'm in. Make sure if you're going to go get in the fight, make sure that Jesus is in your foxhole. 
If you're going to never, never quit, be with a Jesus who, when they buried him and the world thought he was dead and the world turned dark, three days later, he pushed that stone away and he walked out of that tomb. And hundreds and hundreds of people were the witness to the fact that Jesus said, I will not just finish, I will finish and I will win and I will be in heaven to prepare a place for all of those who will say yes to me, Lord, I need you. And what I would say to you today is don't miss Jesus. So would you just bow with me? Man, I know it's kind of a church deal. You bow, close the eyes, all that deal. But, what, but I want to give you an opportunity to say, just in your own heart, your, your, your own way, I want you to have the opportunity to say, yes, Jesus, I want you. I don't have magic words. I don't have magic pills. I don't have magic altars. I don't have magic prayers. But today, if you said, you know what? I want Jesus in my life so, so that I can respond well, so that I can fight well, so that I can finish well. Not just in heaven, but here on earth. Life in abundance today and life eternity with him. And if today you would say, I want that Jesus in my life with nobody looking around and nobody's going to call you out, nobody's going to ask you to do anything. If today you say, man, I want that Jesus, just raise your hand. That's your call today. Yeah. 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 People all over the room. Thank you. You can put your hand down. So Jesus today says to you, come on to me. If you're weary, if you're tired, you come on to me. Lord God, we thank you. You didn't just create this world. You created us that we might live in abundance, that we might live forever. Give us strength and courage. Give these men, young men, strength and courage. Cause us to live for you, not just in here, but out there. And the world would know us by how we love one another. And we pray that in the name of Jesus, our King, our Savior, and our Lord. And all the church said, Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.